Salam everyone. This is the second part of our two-part series on the concept of free will. I highly encourage you to listen to the context this time around because the conversation is highly reliant on it. But anyway, the conversation starts at around 11 minutes in. Salam everyone and welcome to the sixth episode of Back from Fetch and the second part of our two-part series on the concept of free will. In this episode, we will be discussing how qadr and free will coexist in Islam, plus the multiple interpretations people have had. In order to explore this topic, the episode will progress in the following format. In part one, I will be defining what qadr is, what has been mentioned in Islam about it. In addition to that, I will be skimming the surface of what certain Islamic philosophers and groups have said in regards to it. And finally, coming to terms with the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In part two, we will be joined by a guest where we'll talk about how our relationship with qadr has developed over time, the different philosophies we've encountered, and the struggles we still encounter when learning to accept Allah's qadr. As always, we are not scholars, and neither is the guest. We are just sharing our knowledge and experiences. Now let's get into the episode. Before I delve into the hefty topics of this episode, let's do a little recap on the meaning of qada and qadr. Qada means to decree and is in reference to God's command which is absolute. Qadr means predetermination and is the belief that everything that had happened and will happen is already determined by God. Qadr differs from qada in the sense that it's not an absolute decree but that possibility exists, which leads us to the preserved tablet, Allah al-Mahfud, where all that's written there will come true. And as Hala touched on previously, this is where the interpretations of Qada and Qadr arise. I'd like to say that a lot of the misinterpretation of fate and free will in Islam is due to equating causation with association. What we do is not caused by God, but God is aware of all the actions we do and will do because he is the all-knowing. We are responsible for the deeds we commit. To abuse qadr is to use it to justify our mistakes or the harm we have inflicted upon others. But of course, not everything, nor is anything really fully under our control. So qadr can be used as a quote-unquote excuse, or an explanation actually, for certain situations like doing our best but unable to achieve the outcome we desire, or other external factors that are beyond our control. The phrase, tawakkal ala Allah, sums it up well. Do your best and everything is ultimately in God's control. I know what you might be thinking. Or actually, you might not be thinking this at all, but a thought that always crosses my mind when I say this phrase is what is my best? Or actually, what are the limits of our free willpower, if it's even possible to frame it? So let's start from the top. What's free willpower? I'm going to define it as being free in our actions or choices but as we mentioned before, this doesn't mean that there are no other factors impacting us. Part of our free will power and what impacts our decisions is motivation. This motivation of ours prevents us from having absolute willpower, 
because we are not acting in a vacuum. For example, someone upsets us. The motivation. This triggers our free willpower to push it to do some kind of act. Either it moves us towards something pleasurable or away from what we want to avoid. So, absolute willpower is refrained to God. And I'm going to use Al-Ghazali's words as he frames it best. God has created the universe through his willpower, sustains it through his willpower, and one day will let it pass away by his willpower. God wills the world because he thinks of it. Now that we have a bit of background knowledge, let's divulge a little bit on how Qadr has been interpreted in the past. There were two main groups that I came across in my research, Qadrites and Jabirites. The Qadrites believed in complete free will. God has zero control over the outcome. Meanwhile, the Jabirites believed in complete fatalism and determinism. We have zero control over our actions. Both of these theologies, I would say, are heavily misguided. There would be no point in doing anything at all if we had no control. And if God had no control, we wouldn't call upon him in prayer. Ibn Abi al-Aiz tries to get to the root of why these two groups have these ideologies. He says the Jabirites, the ones who believe in complete determinism, frame that all of existence is by decree and measure, therefore it must be loved and pleasing to God. Meanwhile, the Qadirites, the ones who believe in complete free will, say sinful disobedience is not pleasing to God, so it would not be decreed by him. What both of these groups dismiss, as Ibn Abi Lahez points out, is what is willed and loved has been made clear in the book and the sunnah. We are personally responsible for our actions, which determines our fate under God's jurisdiction. Another group I want to highlight are Mu'tazilites, who belong to the Mu'tazila, which is a rationalist school of Islamic theology. I personally align with their expression of free will the most, so let's explore it. They propose that we have control over our actions, but not the outcome. For the decisions that we make, there are two realities that we are subjected to. One is that we have control of the actions and outcomes of which are already established. Like, I don't know, (laughs) the very... Typical example that people mostly go for is if you choose not to study for an exam for a subject that you're weak in, you're obviously going to perform badly. I personally like even simpler examples when I was first reading this ideology. So, like, if you bang some pots together, you know a sound's going to come out. So, actions that have that kind of pathway. The other type of action is the one in which only God knows and controls the outcome, like going into something not knowing how it'll turn out. Ibrahim al-Nazim, who is a Mu'tazilite theologian, introduced the theory of nature, Tabah. This theory states that Allah created us in a way that we have free will to decide the actions we take. They elaborate on this by stating Allah being just would be meaningless if man did not have free will, because to make them sin and then punish them for it would be unjust. They utilize the following translation from Surah Khafir in Ayah 31, but Allah never wishes injustice to his servants. Before we move into the final part, accepting Allah's Qadr, 
I did a quick search to see what Ibn Arabi had to say about free will in Qadr. He approaches the subject by splitting God's command into two categories, creative and obligating. Ibn Arabi describes the creative command as the existential decree which creates the universe. It is the decree of God who says be, and so it is. Kun fayakun. On the other hand, the obligatory command is the idea that at any point we can accept God, regardless of the state we believe we are in. Ibn Arabi is of the belief that knowing God and submitting to him is an expression of free will. Without it, we would just be left to the creative command, which makes us no different than any other object in the universe. God doesn't influence decisions. He's just aware of them before they are made. So this doesn't contradict the concept of free will. To deny free will is to deny that any of us can willingly submit to God. This dual relationship between creative and obligating command highlights that we do have free will, but we are confined to operating within God's universe. Finally, we will talk about accepting Allah's Qadr. Belief in predestination is founded on four things. Allah's knowledge of everything that has been and will be, the idea that Allah has recorded these, that everything that does happen is willed by God, and lastly, that Allah is the creator of everything. Trusting in God's decree does not mean that we are not responsible for our own actions. Rather, we should have faith and strive for what we desire, then God will grant it. Every action that occurs is under the will of God. There's a Sahih Muslim hadith where the Prophet, peace be upon him, says, If something befalls you, then do not say, if only I had done something else. Rather say, Allah has decreed what he wills. Verily, the phrase, if only, opens the way for the work of Satan. This is to emphasize that even in calamity, there is wisdom that we are unaware of. And that's why we say, Alhamdulillah, praise be to God, because Allah knows best. However, this is not to neglect personal responsibility and self-reflection. We must strive to learn from our experiences. The Prophet has also said, the believer is not stung twice from the same hole. Before we transition into part two of this episode, I just wanted to note, this topic is extremely complex. I honestly still don't fully grasp it. And also, I could not possibly capture all of it in what was supposed to just be a brief overview. I have definitely missed out certain perspectives, and I'm happy to engage in conversation with anyone about it. Also, if there are questions that arose while listening to this episode, I would encourage you to do a bit of research of your own, and maybe ask a sheikh. I'm of the belief that the pursuit of knowledge should never be discouraged. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the discussion, and we have Olivia with us here. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh. Hi, I'm Olivia. I am a uh, cognitive science and bioethics specialist at the University of Toronto. Very okay. happy to be here. <laughs> So yeah, we have we have three cognitive science majors here, so I'm sure that will be an intense discussion. Uh, but today we'll be talking more formally about free will, like addressing, um, like going back to the basics of what does free will even mean, and 
topics related to it. So when we talk about free will, we also have to consider questions of causation and morality. And based on how we define free will and those concepts, like some people come to the conclusion that it may be impossible. So right now, we'll go over how we define free will and the necessary conditions for an action to be, I guess, um, regarded as a free choice. So Olivia, would you like to start us off with that? On my thoughts of free will? Yeah, like, what's your definition of free will? Um, okay, so honestly, I think there's not really anything as free will. There's nothing that's actually free will, right? Mm. Because our world is like, um, everything is somewhat predetermined, I believe. Either, like, you know, from, like, a higher cosmic being or, like, you know, the universe, as people like to call it, right? I like to think that I guess the best analogy I can think of is like a open world kind of game. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like you can walk around, you have like quests, right? Your main quest. And that's like, you know, that's kinda like your goal in life in a sense. But then as you're exploring the world and completing your main quest, you have like a lot of side quests that you need to accomplish too. And then the choices you make are like kind of like predetermined like pre-selected options you just kind of have to choose mm. which one like best suits you right like you can't just go up to an npc villager and be like killing them <laughs> and stuff. that's like that's not gonna work it doesn't achieve any quest right i don't think there's ever such an option but then you know your options are like i need to buy from the seller or like i want to sell something it's never um it's never anything like really extreme mm. you know so yeah, that's kind of how I see So do you free think will. we don't have free will at all? Yeah, personally, I don't think... Or to some I extent. I think we have it to an extent, yes. But like on the very trivial things in the greater scheme of life. Okay, so if we link that to causation, that that's actually on par with what some philosophers believe, that for you to be, for you to be completely responsible for an act, you need to be free in some sense or for you to be completely for you to have free will over an act you need to be completely responsible of it and because you're not then like your degree of free will is limited kind of yeah actually i think that's false i think you're the middle ground (laughs) we can repeat that i guess it's kind of in i guess it's kind of in the middle in the sense of like yeah sorry in the sense of like um not everything's like predetermined by like a higher being and nothing we do in life matters and it's also not like you know the romanticized version of free will where i can like suddenly uproot my life move to america and then you know the american dream Mm -hmm. get like everything you want in life you know successful whatever just because you know i want to do this i want to do that like that's not that's not really how the world works and like Mm -hmm. even though like everyone thinks that that's how it works but yeah I would actually put Olivia not on the middle ground, but leaning more towards, like, if, for example, if we have between on the spectrum of absolute free will and Mm -hmm. no free will, you're, like, leaning past the middle ground and more towards no no free will. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Kind of have, like, a dark, like, outlook in life. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very contrasted to how, like, bubbly my personality seems, so... (laughs) interesting yes i wear pink to hide the darkness (laughs) 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 okay so 
Do you want to go into also what we believe, where we, what our stance is on free will? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yes. um, it looks like Olivia, Olivia, do you believe in like predetermination? Because that's what it sounded. Uh, could you elaborate more? Like, that? because you mentioned that the events um, in our lives, those, so we're like basically here to complete quests. And that means that those quests had to exist before we were there. And that implies predetermination in some sense. Like, these events are predetermined, and we're just here to fulfill our purpose. Is that what you meant? Yeah, I'm leaning more towards that than, like, you know, absolute free will. Because, like, um, mm. whether or not you believe there's, like, a higher order, like, a cosmic being or, like, a higher order in the universe, there has been, like, people before us, right? So it's, like, in our lives, like, we don't have a choice on whether we're, like, born into this world or not. Mm-hmm. And, like, kind of, like, our whole task is just to, you know, live life as much as we can, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And, like, the stuff that we do is, like, sure, we're, like, kids and stuff, right? We can't determine, like, where we go to school. We don't have an active choice on, like, the school we go to or, like, the universities we get into, that kind of stuff, right? So, in a way, I don't think that we have, like... Like, I agree that life is predetermined in that sense, mm-hmm. but, like, not sure if everyone has, like, a specific kind of, like, path that, you know, we're supposed to go through. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And that leans more, actually, towards the against view, <laughs> because it reminds <laughs> me of, <laughs> it reminds me of causal determinism when I was, um, like, searching up free will, which is basically the view that Everything that happens, including like your choices, um, is determined by um, the past. So it's all like a culmination of events that have led you to do this act. And therefore, you don't have complete more responsibility over the actions that you make. Because as you said, you don't choose your upbringing. You don't choose how you were raised. Like who put these ideas into your head in the first place? And so... That's where I feel like you lie. Yeah, kind of. Okay, but then if we go into, like, what we settled on last episode, so to contrast that, um, as Olivia was saying, um, whether or not you believe in, like, a higher being that has control over everything, that's that's what the Jabarites believed in. They believed that God's rule or God's knowledge is absolute, and therefore everything that he wills cannot be wrong, and so we we don't have free will. He's just making us act the way we do. Ada, would you like to contrast that with the Qadarites and then the Mu'tazilites? So the Qadarites believed in complete free will because um, if you do... Because how can something bad that you do be willed by God? That was their thought process. Meanwhile, the Mu'tazilites were like kind of in the... I would say they're the middle ground. And even in the context, again, like, I personally align with their expression of free will the most. So basically, they believe, it's like they split into two, free will split into two categories. One is you do an action that you know what the outcome is going to be. So these actions are usually low in, like, moral responsibility. So, like, um, sorry, or a moral dilemma. So, for example, like, I like the pan example. (laughs) Like, if you bang (laughs) pans together, you know a sound's going to come out. That I think is too simple. Yeah, it <laughs> but, is. Um, <laughs> but it gets the message across. Like, 
okay, obviously if I throw a plant to the ground, it's going to break. The same way you can you can replicate that example into other situations in your life. So, like, I don't know if you're if you are weak in a subject and you don't study, mm-hmm. don't like you can't expect to um, perform well in it. I would say that is an example that aligns with their first category of free will. Mm-hmm. Their second category of free will are is like you do an action, so you do the best that you can, but we don't know the outcome. So it reminds me, like, only God knows the outcome. And those differ, like, depending on how much power you believe you have, this is where it can get a bit ambiguous, yeah, or, like, ambiguous, because everyone believes that they have a different level of power over certain situations. So, like, what I think that I have no, like, I have no control over the outcome of doesn't mean that Hela thinks the same way. But there are some certain situations, I would say, like, falling sick like with an illness i think everyone can sort of agree that that's completely out of your control so mm-hmm. it's situations like that but also i was agreeing with you olivia in terms of like the video game example because um for the second choice of free will where we don't know the outcome and according to according to the martesolites it reminds me of those like um those games where you have to choose between two scenarios and you don't know what it's, what the outcome is going to be. You just have to make the choice depending on what your morals are at that time mm-hmm. and what you think you want to be the outcome, but you don't know whether that's going to come true or not. So that's where I agree with you like in terms of that aspect. That actually reminds me of Undertale because when you said morals, because you know how there's yeah. like a pacifist path and then an extreme path. So yeah, that mm-hmm. that's the that was an example of that. It reminds me of Detroit Become Human, which is another one. It's like AI taking over the world. <laughs> anyway, a gaming gaming podcast. gaming channel. <laughs> First Minecraft. I'm, Minecraft. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that I used the uh, open world concept uh game concept because um like as an analogy because initially i was thinking like autumn game like like the dating sims <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's that's probably like way too simple but like that's that's probably like more realistic in the sense of like you ch- like like what you said Ella. like um but like um that's kind of like relating back to the point you made where like you choose the decision like you choose the option which you think is going to lead to like scenario a but it doesn't always you know it's not always the case right mm-hmm. that depends on like it, like in the dating sim it depends on like um the person's personality and like whether it actually matches that kind of stuff i've never actually played an automate game myself but like that's stop what I've lying. <laughs> stop lying i really <laughs> haven't a little birdie told me <laughs> also and that when you said that um like your degree of power like how much degree uh power you think you have varies with the matezolites that Remind me of an example that me and you were talking about where, for example, I go and stab someone. Okay. What? <laughs> Why are you cringing? I go and stab examples, someone. I'm not cringing. Your examples My, are always just violence. No, it's, Death. <laughs> it's because it's because like we believe that God has control over death, right? So if you, yeah. if you, for example, like intend to hurt someone, mm-hmm. um, 
and they die? Is their death attributed to me or to God who willed them to die at this moment? That's like some of the like ambiguity that comes up. Because yeah. then you're talking about causation. But on the other hand, it doesn't matter if... It obviously was... Like, I feel like the Islamic view is that it's not you who killed the guy. But you intended to kill the guy. And then your decree on, day of, on the Day of Judgment will be based on your intent. For example, I can accidentally stab someone. Like, I don't know. It happens. And then... If they die, and I didn't intend that, then it wouldn't be as grave of a sin as me intending to go and stab someone. So I just wanted yeah. to clear that up about like causation. Any comments? I have something to add. Um, so I was on TikTok and I saw this like uh, <laughs> this philosophy clip of like I think Sizek. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, but he was saying how like the way that the Japanese like uh, government. Uh, brainwashed the Japanese military into killing so many people that they did during, I don't know which war. I think it was World War Two. Was they put, uh, they brainwashed the soldiers to into the mindset that like, all they're doing is kind of like following orders from like the government, right? Whether whether or not the people that they attack actually die or not should not be on their hands, but rather it's just kind of like, I'm not sure if they mm -hmm. said it was like the will of God or the universe, but basically it's not their fault that they killed the people because mm -hmm. they're just acting in orders. It's not actually their intentions. Interesting. So that's like kind of like a way to that is like applied in like a more in a like, corrupt and dark scenario. manner. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, you gotta bring up the real life scenarios, man. What was the IBT okay for? Bro, don't bring up talk. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Fake okay. philosophy class. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um Olivia, would you do you want to talk about your um like religious background and how you align or don't align with their I guess perception of free will or purpose? Oh yeah, sure. Um so I actually had to do some research cuz I legally speaking I am Buddhist because we have to you know on our identification card we have to have like a religion that kind of stuff it's easier in life if you have like a really religion on it rather than you know being an atheist I don't know if that's an actual like option <laughs> but yeah I'm Buddhist by like birth and we go to the temple on like you know religious days but not during the pandemic fortunately um but yeah, I did some a couple of research and Buddhism is like complete belief in free will, kind of like the opposite of like my whole thing. <laughs> but um, this the whole like complete sense of free will attributes to the fact that like we are responsible for any action that we do and like uh, like the consequences that come along with it. Like, for example, if I if I did like, let's say I want an apple, right? And you have an apple. So I take your apple, right? Because I want to eat it. And, you know, that's my free will yeah. to do so. <laughs> I don't know why I can't speak properly. Um, no, you can't. That would cause, like, you know, that would actually make the person kind of like, it would It would make you upset because I'm stealing your apple, right? And then I could, I could, um, I could defend myself by saying that, oh, like, I want the apple. You haven't ate your apple yet, so I'll eat it for you, that kind of stuff, right? It's kind of like, um... Some people would argue that it's kind of like God's will for me to eat your apple. I, I feel like that's a complete cop-out. It's just completely like 
that's just kind of rude, you know? <laughs> Don't blame me on God if you're an ass, right? But then, like, the whole, like, uh, Buddhism background is that we're responsible because it allows you and me to do good things in life. And, like, I'm sure you've heard of karma before, right? Like, everyone yeah. says it, like, nonchalantly nowadays. But um, the whole thing about karma is that in Buddhism, there's, like, multiple realms in the world or in the universe. And then we're always like our souls are always reincarnated into like different realms depending on like depending on your previous life so um like i don't know if i was born in like the realm above or the realm below me that got that got me like so if i if i was born in the realm above me that means i did some bad stuff in life to drop down to this realm like the human realm right where we're like not free of sin not free of like you know all the bad stuff that happens but then the higher up we go like the more enlightened we're like that's the that's the kind of like mm. kind of re- reaching a god state is kind of like um being enlightened in a way because <coughs> it's funny how like buddhism is considered a religion when it's not actually like yes we have multiple gods but they're like more of a deity than actual god so um, they can just be like regular people like you and me who have done really good things in life and just lived like a really moral and fulfilling life that gets us like, you know, constantly reincarnated into like the higher realms and higher realms. And then we eventually like uh, end up in like the highest and then we we become like a deity of something. So Oh, interesting. But by the way, about the apple yeah. example, um, mm-hmm. wait, so weren't you more on the side of like being against free will? But you do yes. have accountability. So I would not take your apple. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you like, you chose not to. Yeah, like I chose not to because like like um like I don't know as like I'm not gonna say like any other religion because I doubt there's like any religion that supports like stealing from others that kind of stuff, right? But if I was like completely like nonchalantly living up to free will in like the negative sense, right? Like I can do whatever I want because it's my own free will and other choices does not matter except for my own, that kind of stuff, right? I could be stealing people's apples, robbing banks, killing people, because that seems to be a theme in this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> in this chapter in this episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh damn. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. But yeah, like I could, I could be doing. (laughs) But yeah, like I could be doing like all sorts of different stuff, and then you know I would have no qualms about it because there's no like um what's it called no reward or punishment in that sense, right? If you believe in free will, you also like if you can, if you're very strong, strongly for free will, I doubt there's like you know, you don't believe in a higher order being to like punish you for that kind of stuff unless it's the law you know what i mean that's, but like the law can only get you to a certain point in life that's interesting because i would say like the qadrites and jabberites echo like the exact opposite sentiment like the jabberites mm-hmm. would basically because they believe we had no free will so everything that they do is willed by god like because god wouldn't will something bad so it was actually used people who aligned with the jabberite point of view would do would use it to abuse their power politically and they would say like you can't blame me for like for this because this is what god wanted to happen meanwhile the qadarites i don't know about them politically but they believe we had complete free will 
but that's only because like in a, like in the realm of Islam you're held accountable for the deeds that you do so if you're if you have complete free will you're still acting within God's jurisdiction so you're doing whatever i do is because i wanted to do it but under like god's ruling it's considered either good or bad but they still believe they had complete free will that's actually like very like if not exactly similar then very very similar to like the buddhist like kind of general concept of like free will and karma mm. but, yeah yeah but, basically but that by complete free will you mean that they also had control over the outcome because for an event to happen, there needs to be first intent, and then execution, and then outcome, right? Yeah. So they mm-hmm. believe that they had control over all of that. I would say, I can't confidently say yes, but when you put them on a spectrum of like, it's like Qadirites, who are like absolute free will, Jaborites, who are like um, no free will, and the Muhtazilites are in the middle. And Muhtazilites are the ones who believe we don't have control over the, the outcome. So I would say Qadirites do believe they have, like, absolute control. Hmm. Yeah, because um, what Olivia was talking about before, like, it reminded me more of the issue of moral responsibility. Like, when I was reading up on free will, people, people would um, talk about the relationship between free will and moral responsibility and whether they are equivalent or whether they entail each other. So... Mm-hmm moral responsibility is like like they it can be mutually exclusive to free will i feel like when we talk about that then it applies to like a certain um like institution whether that's religion the law or whatever where else would you feel the moral obligation to um i guess set things right but i guess people would argue that you have an it's in our human nature that we are moral yeah, I would say maybe not in our human nature, but you do have an obligation to yourself. Whether you decide to disregard that obligation, I guess, is another moment of free will and another like free choice or moral argument that you make. But even if you have no one else to answer to, you can still answer to yourself or like answer to the consequences your actions would have on the people around you. So like in terms of like not even like not even <laughs> not even legally <laughs> or whatever but in terms of like whether you're going to take into account the impact your actions have on others like feelings wise or like cut ties or whatever if you're going to address yourself to that degree but yeah i i was going to add on this like um so i did ethics over the summer right mm-hmm. and i learned about like david hume and mm-hmm. one of his like most famous sayings is like reason reason is an all only ought only to be the slave of the passions and um basically he's saying that like we kind of do whatever um we only do whatever is like you know reasonable or like ethical because we want we want something to be like that in a sense i'm not explaining this right doesn't sound right when it came out of my mouth wait what was the Um, quote again uh reason is and ought only to be the slave of the passions hmm so basically, in a sense, we're only, like, whether or not things are, like, morally good or evil, it becomes, it's only because uh, we want it to be good or bad, in a sense. Like, it's our own desire to make it good or bad. For like, ulterior motives. Kinda, yeah. And, like, the only reason why we have, like, uh, like government and rules is so we can keep the peace between ourselves. So, like, 
Um, so I can do what I want without you kind of like trying to kill me, that kind of stuff. Because mm. it would benefit both of us if I didn't try to kill you and you didn't try to kill me. Yeah. And we can just do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, like to maintain some sort of peace. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the first the first time of the, I was exposed to Hume was in, an, in the aesthetics course that I took. And mm-hmm. uh, his thoughts on taste were pretty pretentious. That's why I just shut him out of my brain. But that's pretty interesting. <laughs> but like, just the reason that I brought up um, moral responsibility was because people like usually conflate it, or like like they're arguing for moral responsibility, and then and then they end up concluding free will, like they don't distinguish it. But you know that's that's for um, philosophy PhD graduate to figure out. Not here. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyways, so so now that we've established like our views on free will and mostly the whole debate. Not the whole debate, like part of the debate on free will. Um, like a quarter of the debate. <laughs> like like a really small fraction of the debate. Yeah. <laughs> um related to our own experiences. How cognizant are we of like our beliefs? on free will or choice before actually committing an act? Or do you just act without thinking, basically? Olivia? Um, I'm not I'm not really sure, because I haven't really made any important decisions as of late. Um, but I think usually when it comes to... I like to think that I'm a very rational person, despite, like, you know, <clears throat> seeming as, like, a really, like, bubbly or, like, kind of airheaded person. Because sometimes it's just Stereotypes. much better when you can kind of, like, Hmm? stereotypes yeah but like it's kind of sometimes i feel like it's nicer to just turn off my brain when i you know interact with people like and stuff i don't always want to find like an ulterior motive sort of sense or like find what is the person's motive when they're talking to me because that's just kind of rude i think but i don't know on me like what if they're just genuinely a nice person that kind of stuff right but then um I guess that's like kind of like my own free will to kind of turn off my brain in a sense. I am very far from the question. Sorry, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> the question was like, when you're committing an act, when analyzing like your motive for committing an action, are you uh, basically like self-aware, like like referring to the- some to your belief of free will? Yeah, are mm-hmm. you like she's obviously self-aware to some extent self-aware in this regard oh yeah 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 because yeah, exactly. i agree because like some people are not like self-aware like some people think that they're like the exception to the rule right mm-hmm. so that that makes it rough um i definitely think that when it comes to like actual actions then i always like think through like what are the kind of like am i harming anyone when i do this like obviously if i do something it's gonna like benefit me right mm-hmm. but then sometimes Like, let's say you're helping your friend out to, you know, you drive them across town even though you live on the opposite side, right? Like, that kind of stuff, like, sure, it's kind of, like, disadvantageous to you because, you know, you gotta make the whole trip back and then you lose gas money, all that stuff, right? But if it kind of, like, benefits someone in a sense, then it's not, as long as I'm not losing out too much, right, then I, I think that's, like, a good thing, so... I probably do, like, very, like, I analyze myself, like, far too strictly when it comes to, like, my actions and, like, but not my thoughts, ironically. I have very dark thoughts, so. 
Yeah. I don't know if that really answers your question. Probably doesn't. No, no, it does. No, it does. Yeah. I would say that I think this is also going to tie with one of the other points you wanted to discuss. But majority of how I haven't always acted like this, but as of recently, because of certain life events, whenever I commit an action and I I like to say <laughs> I have a reasonable sense of can like of power that I believe I have like I do believe my power is limited but not entirely like I'm still accountable like I still have to do what I can so I would say most of my actions are like relying on God like operating within God's jurisdiction and I like am cognizant of that especially when it comes to situations like of moral conflict mm-hmm. or of like if it's something I'm extremely stressed out about, like my apartment, <laughs> like finding a place to live, I just sort of rely on um, God and like doing my best and knowing that God will um, take care of me kind of thing. But I but also whatever I think is my best has to align, has to I have to try to align it with Islamic thought because mm-hmm. there are obviously situations where I think I'm in the right but I could be harming someone or doing something that isn't necessarily um, approved of Islamically. Yeah. So most of the time when I make a decision, like those decisions that I have internal conflict with, I do rely on like making dua, which is, um, how do I say that in English? Supplication. Yeah, making like supplication or prayer. Or prayer, knowing that I won't get like some divine intervention the way some people try to frame it, but I do know that I'm calling upon God for this certain thing and I'm doing what I can, so I will have his guidance. Hmm. That's how I operate. Yeah, I agree on that. That's kind of like how I um, view the world, like my family's, like me and my parents, because I'm an only child, um, like our family's like a philosophy in life, because like I feel like no matter how hard you try to, like, if you're so set on a goal, but, like, no matter how hard you try, you can't seem to get that goal. Like, maybe it's just not meant for you in the sense mm-hmm. of, like, maybe it's, like, a higher being's, like, um, kind of, like, goal. Like, it's telling you, like, not, this is not your path. Like, it's always trying to direct you somewhere else sort of thing. Because, um, sorry, this is, like, kind of a tangent. But, um, in high school, I moved to Vancouver from Indonesia, right? And I was so dead set on going to UBC the whole, like, the whole time. But then, I, like, we, like, this, this, like, stems from, like, me being in third grade. And I was like, I love Vancouver. And then my parents, like, we got a place there. And, um, and we, we moved there in high school. Like, we, we bought, like, all sorts of, like, new furniture, really settled in, right? And then I applied to U of T on a whim. I wasn't even applying to U of T. My dad was like, let's, let's just see if you can get in. Cause I already got rejected from, uh, no, cause I also applied for UC Berkeley, UCLA, and I didn't think I would, I didn't get in, but like, I didn't think that I would get in anyway. And like, number one in Canada, I didn't think I would get it either, right? And I was so dead set on going to UBC. I didn't even think about applying. And then like, literally like, U of T was, like, I think, the last one or second last to actually accept me, that kind of stuff. And I haven't been to Vancouver since. So, I don't know. I feel like no matter how... Like, I I tried so hard, like, to take all the courses that would align with whatever it was I was trying to get into at UBC. 
and I was staying in Vancouver, all my friends were going to UBC, that kind of stuff, right? Like, my whole community was, like, UBC, but in the end, I went to U of T. I've never been to Toronto before. I don't know anyone in Toronto, and, like, I don't know, it's just, I find that as, like, um, you know, I, I don't think it's any kind of, like, coincidence. I don't think it was my free will, necessarily. I just kind of, like, it sort of, like, resonated in me, whether or not it was kind of, like, a spiritual, like, calling from God or not. Like, either way, it just worked out. It was your fate, basically. Or, like, what you were. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that was, like, my path to wherever it is that it's, like, not really predetermined in the sense, because, like, if I didn't apply, obviously, I wouldn't get in, right? But, like, Maybe, like, whether or not I go to UBC, sorry, whether or not I go to U of T is not predetermined. But for now, it's predetermined that I do not go to UBC, in a sense. So, it works kind of, I think that God works in, like, very mysterious ways. Like, uh, it doesn't always tell you that this is the path. But at least it stops you from, you know, doing the, like, stuff that is not supposed to happen to you. You actually bring up an interesting point, because in the previous episode... When I was talking about predetermination, um, and basically there is this there's this book that we believe in. It's called the Preserved Tablet, and everything mm-hmm. in it, um, all the events that are set to happen from from the beginning of time till the day of judgment, are are written down in there, and they're predetermined by God. Okay, but some some like based on like hadiths or like scriptures that have been provided some scholars were saying that because like some events written there could be considered pending in a sense this obviously isn't confirmed but even though everything is predetermined that doesn't mean that everything will happen to you um regardless without any action so for like using the example that Allah used if i don't study for that exam i'm obviously and I'm bad in that subject, I'm not going to pass. Like, it's just not going to happen. Even though that may have been one of the paths written for me if I, if I like, had done the action. Like a decision tree, sort of. But it's obviously, like, we, we're not, like, confirming anything because, you know, we don't know. But mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like, that could be... Like, that. that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I guess my perception of, like, before I act, it mostly aligns with Alaa's, but um, I'm just, like, and, and Olivia's, actually. Like, for for actions that are out of my control, I just, like, go with the flow. Like, I, I for example, when you are using the UFT uh, application example, I apply and then let the outcome be deter- be determined however... It needs to be determined. But in terms of like actions that I have direct, that I do that have a direct consequence or like an immediate consequence, like for example, if I text Ella right now, she will receive a message. That's that's um, that's what the Martezalites were talking about, the first type of free will. I always definitely like think of my intent when I'm doing certain, certain things and whether that aligns with like Islam. So, because what you're going to be held accountable for is mostly your intent. That's what's been written in, like, the scriptures and everything. Going back to that stabbing example. So, if I'm always intentional, (laughs) intending not to harm anyone, 
um, which sort of aligns with your um, life philosophy, Olivia, just going about life intending not to harm anyone and be um, like exuding Islamic values, I suppose. So yeah, that's... I, I do have to make a like a, or propose a question about the intent thing because I think it's not too far off to say that the majority of us aren't trying to act with the intention of hurting someone else. Like, I don't think that's a rose-colored glass way of viewing things. But we, but some people still... It could be, like, by the way. Like, yeah, like, that, that does occur. But I'm saying, like, there are also many situations where we do act and we mm-hmm. do harm other people. And I would say, like, even if it was never your intention to, ex- like, explicitly harm someone, I would say you're accountable for, um, yeah, like, trying to mend that situation. Yeah. It, like, not in, all, not in all scenarios, depending on how the situation plays out, but if you've done something and you've caused some hurt or whatever, you're accountable, f- um, you have to, con- you are accountable for that outcome. Not the outcome. You yeah. didn't decide the outcome, but you're accountable for how you respond to that outcome. Yeah, yeah. you're definitely yeah. right. Like going back to that stabbing example, um, I would obviously <laughs> go and grieve the family or like compensate them in some way because even though that wasn't like that wasn't my intention, I still have to deal with the repercussions of an action that I was like part of. But yeah, on the day of judgment, I wouldn't say that I. I intended to kill the person. That's what mm-hmm. I was um, saying. But even then, I would say that I, I don't know if this is true or not. But you're you would also be held accountable for the way you reacted. You reacted so to even what? if you didn't intend, for example, the same thing, but you maybe you didn't intend to kill them, but you like. Actually, I don't like that killing example. Doesn't even okay, fit that much. Let's like, just I, stop. I like, <laughs> <laughs> let's just stop. Like, for example, for example, like in in a relationship, like platonic, whatever, romantic, even if you didn't intend to hurt them, and the person is hurt, you would you would be held accountable for the way you react to that person's hurt, mm-hmm. because you can't we can't keep on going off the basis that we don't oh it wasn't my intention it wasn't my intention because Loki. Like, your intention matters, but it's not the only factor, even in the realm of, like, what what we're accountable for on the Day of Judgment. So, like, maybe you didn't intend to hurt, but now you know that they're hurt, and you don't do anything, or you act in a particular way. You're accountable for those actions that you yeah. do from that point onwards, now that you've been pointed out a flaw or pointed out something like that. So you could phrase Whether it that's more true or not, as... I don't know, but I feel like that's... like I. I like based on this, like what I know about Islam, that's true. No, but because if a sheikh wants to correct me, he can go ahead. <gasps> it's true. No, no, it's true because, but uh, how you were phrasing it, like I would phrase it in another way. So them them being hurt is an event that you now have to deal with, and then there's yeah. a different intention right now. So it's a like a different. So there was a consequence, and now you have to deal with it, and your reaction mm-hmm. is also what you will be. There's like a chain. Yeah. It's like two, like it's not part of the same, you know? There was like a. I see. So that, yeah. that was, it was like the catalyzed. Event, and now it's like the reaction. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Anyways. Oh, I have like a different kind yeah? of. Sorry, this is like kind of like a side panel. But I was just thinking of this um, 
because something similar like this happened in real life and i just kind of want to get your guys's like opinion on the matter so um if you for example like eat something that's haram but you didn't know that it's haram like with the full intentions of like enjoying your meal and you're eating it it's like delicious but you only find out it's haram like afterwards like but even though like before that you completely kind of um you made sure like you double check triple check that it's completely safe right Mm -hmm. it's completely halal and everything but like it was the mistake of the restaurant or like the chef something like that it's out of your control right yeah you didn't know you're completely like innocent and stuff right you're just enjoying your food it was a delicious meal you find out afterwards like what happens then you're you wouldn't be held accountable for it because how can you be like punished for something that you didn't have any control over like i i think my like the rule of thumb when it comes to situations of like certain ambiguity is just like acknowledging that god is a just figure and someone who's just wouldn't punish you for something that was out of your control exactly or you had no knowledge of sort of thing yep yeah i agree and then yeah it's almost like really like Mm-hmm. chill in that sense <laughs> yeah. i don't know what other word to use because like <laughs> other other religions aren't necessarily that forgiving but yeah Damn. but like Islam if you religion of forgiveness of peace yeah if you peace choose to continue eating um after like, knowing that's yeah. like a different thing right yeah like in the middle then of you're eating. accountable for that yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Because you're, like, full knowledge of that being. Exactly. And now it's your intention to keep eating. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so one um, going... One thing that I've mentioned previously in this discussion is how when I act and and I don't know what the outcome will be, I make du'a or, like, supplication, prayer. Some people, like, in Islam... I guess, like, some, some argument that is proposed is, is there actually change when we make those du'as? Or is it, um, or are we just playing into, like, the fate determined by God? I don't know if, I was wondering, actually, if there's something similar to that in, like, Buddhism, if you make a prayer for a particular thing or, or something like that like a prayer to God to ask him about this thing and you're like try to get his guidance on that particular event or um, if you personally think, believe in that yeah I think it's more of a sorry I I don't so like take this with a grain of salt because I don't I don't, don't I don't go to like formal religion classes and all I learned is like from my parents and them going to like you know temples and like learning the religion that kind of stuff right but I think it really depends on, like, person to person, and I think this would go towards, like, any, like, any religion and, like, prayers in general, because I think it's more of, like, a character behavior sort of thing, but I don't know in, in, like, full detail and stuff, right? But I personally, when I pray, I wish for, like, God to help me through, like, a hard time or to, like, show me the path, right? I never asked to, like, completely um give me this give me that or like um for example like i don't 
like I don't wish for like oh I hope quarantine and like you know I don't I hope the whole pandemic well yes I do hope for it to end <laughs> soon but I don't wish for it for selfish reasons right it's not like oh I I wish I can go uh pandemic end so I can go to the mall not like that but rather I I pray to God that like you know this whole thing ends soon because um you know because it's bad for the world that kind of stuff it's harmful and all that stuff um probably pandemic is a bad example I mean more like um say like during the time when i didn't know i was gonna get into uft or not because my works were horrible Mm -hmm. like um i didn't pray for god to get me into uft or to give me like my uft acceptance like reassuring like the reassured acceptance that i got in after my ivy scores came out right i i just prayed that like i like you know god like helps me to you know at least give me like a university to go to either it's in u of t bc somewhere in canada or somewhere in australia somewhere in indo like just somewhere because i like to seek you know i like to seek knowledge help me through you know with my desire to like learn more in life that kind of stuff it's never like um please give me this please give me that because i know a lot of people in like who pray differently for their own selfish reasons what like even if they have the same kind of like religious upbringing if that Mm. makes sense i think you really bring up like an interesting point because the way we're also told to make dora for certain things it is sort of very similar because uh like for that example the i guess the more productive way to make dora is if this thing is good for me and will bring me closer to you then um let it happen and if it's not or will bring me away from you or from god then um move it away from me so you're like you're basically you're kind of like asking for a sign from god to like like lead you to the correct path or yeah yeah like sorry yeah exactly you're asking for that and also like relief because it basically strengthens your what's the word? <laughs> conviction in God's will because you're you're entrusting the whole outcome with God and you're you're saying that you're completely okay with what's going to happen and you're also saying that if it's if it's good for me then it'll happen so there's that whole like train of that and i do like going back oh wait you didn't answer your like your perception of it, Hala. Me? Of what? Mm-hmm. Dua? Or I guess you did. Sort of. I mean you can you can go first. Oh, I was gonna say like, um I don't think that like it's really difficult for me to use the word change because for example there's even um like there's Lilatul Qadr, Olivia, and basically like on that night Night of um, Decree. Yeah, it's Night of Decree. And on that night, people make... Um, no one knows when that night is. Um, there are just, like, certain signs, but no, like there's no explicit date. And basically, if you manage to, like, catch that night, and if you make Duat, then you can kind of, like... People like to frame it as you're, like, quote-unquote, changing your your fate, your destiny. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hada, but... Um, I, so people sometimes like align dua kind of like that, like you like you're changing something. 
But I don't think you're changing anything because for me, the word change alludes to the fact that God didn't know or didn't expect this to happen, even though like, which for me doesn't make sense because God is all knowing. So you're not changing anything, but that also doesn't mean you shouldn't act because even though God knows, we don't know and to not act or to not make do it like impacts your outcome um, but whether we make that do or not god knows kind of thing in terms of yeah, yeah to finish your point i was just gonna say like there's also that um like we have to, we have to but it's like highly encouraged to make dua and even to go off the basis like oh so god knows everything therefore he knows what i want it's not the same as like making a, re- a request or praying to god for this specific thing in terms of fate like i i talked about this like last episode but basically olivia uh night of decree Laylat al-qadr is in ramadan which we're supposed to like do um religious practices the whole month it's like and um, if you, like, all the deeds that you do that day will be multiplied by, like, as if you did them for a thousand months. So in terms of, like, changing your fate, most when they're, most people, when they say that, they're talking about your fate on Day of Judgment. So what you actually have control over, which is your deeds and acts of, wor- uh, acts of worship. So if you do perform, like, acts of worship on that day, then you're changing your fate technically because you're shifting the balance of sins to good deeds. So that's, I think that's mostly what they mean by fate. But um, yeah, in terms of dua, there's just been a lot of hadiths, which is like um, things that the the prophet prophet have said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That making dua is very helpful and like, averting certain like bad events so there was this hadith that's like nothing averts decree except supplication something like that and it's also good to uh strengthen your spiritual connection because a lot of people are like okay everything's written down so why should i even bother with making dua and i also i also had that thought when i was actually writing last week's episode uh but you can make dua about a lot of things, especially the way that you are dealing with God's uh, jurisdiction. So, or sorry, God's like plan, I suppose. What we were talking about earlier, where um, God has written this event for you to happen, and you're not sure if it's good for you or bad for you, and you're or you're not sure how to act, how you should act, how you should proceed. So you're making dua for clarity and for relief, like internal relief. If this thing is good for me, then bring it closer to me, you know? And there's du'as for a lot of things, but I think definitely if the Prophet, peace be upon us, has said that du'a is something that's that you need to do or that's good for you, and if it's written in the Qur'an, then there's obviously a point to it. It's not like it's there just for no reason. Even though God has predetermined everything, he also wants us to call upon him. You got me? 
Mm-hmm. The way I think about it is also similar to you can't you can't just sit around and do nothing and say like, oh, this is what God has determined for me. Like I think about it in a similar sort of pathway. Like you need to do what you can, and part of doing what you can is calling upon God. Yep. And then He will grant or you know whatever like that kind of that kind of thought process. So yeah, exactly. So if you just sit around, like on, on the flip side, if you just sit around and just make du'a, uh, we have a saying for that, Olivia. It's called tawakul, where you basically just wish upon things that you want to happen to you without taking any action. So I want to get into U of T without applying or without like studying hard to get the marks required to get into U of T. You know what I'm saying? So they both have to be. Yeah. Like they have both. They both have to come together for you to be able to like manage your obstacles, both action and supplication. Yeah, do what you can, and everything is reliant on God. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna bring up this point, Ashley. Like, because mm-hmm. um, Allah was talking about, like, I don't know. There was something she that she said that like um, brought this up in my mind. But I remember, like, being a little kid, not necessarily in Buddhist religion class, because um, I just, like, I think I watched it on the news and stuff. Basically, the story of, like, um, where there's, like, a big flood and everything, right? And then this person prays to God that, like, to help me survive the flood, all that stuff. It goes up, like, different stories of the building, right? At the first story, there's, like, a boat that kind of, like, a small little paddle boat that comes by. And, like, and then the person's like, oh, uh, let me help you out. Like, uh, I still have a space on the paddle boat, that kind of stuff. And then he's like, oh, no, God will save me. And then he climbs up a different level because the uh, water levels rise. And then there's a there's a bigger boat. The same thing happens. He doesn't want to go. And then the last one, uh, sorry, and then there's, like, an the last so he's on the roof now right and then an airplane comes and then he's like um the airplane again asks him like if you want to like you know come along the water's coming soon and stuff like that but he doesn't want to take it because he's waiting for god to save him and Mm -hmm. then well the person dies washed away by the water that kind of stuff and then he asks god like um why didn't you come save me after all like i've been a good person i i like i uh, prayed really hard every single day i have like very like intense immense amount of trust towards you but you didn't save me right mm-hmm. and then god says i sent you all the i sent you all the people to come and help you but you didn't take the choice to you know you didn't like act upon it even though i was like i'm not going to save you by like picking you up yeah kind of stuff because i would Divine actually mean that you die and went to heaven yeah. yeah but like i i did what i can because you're a good person i want to save you and i sent all the resources to come help you multiple times and you ignored them all like like I feel like um everyone sees like not everyone but like the the problem that most people have against religion is like the blind faith sort of problem where they think like like you guys mentioned before right like they think all that needs to be done is prayer and like let god do the rest of the work but in reality it's more of a us working along with god with like him giving us like all the different like resources and we act upon it to actually do what we want to do in life or get to where we need to go in life. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. And to build off of that, also a lot of the problems that people have with religion is that they perceive it as like 
single extreme devotion, like become a monk type of vibe. You have to pray all day, um, just devote your entire life to religion. When, like in Islam, personally, um, there's this hadith that tells us, well, that Aisha, radiallahu anha, one of the prophets of the wife, heard that the prophet said, which is, Verily, your own self has rights over you, so fast and break your fast, pray and sleep. So God doesn't want us to be doing these acts of worship all day long, neglecting ourselves and neglecting the world, neg- neglecting um, like our life. He wants us to go on work, but also pray and then play and fast and so on. So there's that balance. But um, anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, if and no one has anything else they want to say, uh, I just think this is a great podcast, and I think it's oh. you know it's really great what you guys are doing. So Damn, I add that she's making up like, for not, dissing not us. Not everyone like <laughs> not everyone in this kind of like era. I I mean not era, but like generation. the new age of like yeah our yeah. generation, especially and the younger ones, like they don't exactly like they are religious because, you know, their parents are religious or they grew up in a religious household, not because they themselves want to be religious. And I think it's really nice to kind of, like, have, like, a like a young people perspective. I sound like yeah. an old person. Like, a young... It's <laughs> no, nice no, no. to have a young person yeah. perspective because, like, you're not simply preaching things that are, like... Just because this was how things were before doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's how things has to be forever, right? Because... Yeah. I'm sure that, like, God and, like, religion is, like, a very understanding and flexible thing. Like, it always depends on, like, the new kind of, like, generation, new kind of area. Different types of people, right? It's not, like, a one-for-all sort of situation. There's always, like, you know, circumstances where, like, things are not bound to change, but where things are viewed differently from different perspectives. And I think it's nice that you guys give, like, a really, like... A new perspective on these kind of things. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Great job, guys. <laughs> it means it means thank a you. lot. Thank you. And we want to inspire that same like outlook in all their people as well. So to actually go and think about these things and not just because usually culture is conflated with religion, and that's why we're like trying to, you know, separate the two and also inspire philosophical talks about Islam specifically. But yeah. Thank you for that. The, pur- the pursuit of knowledge yeah. never be discouraged. Yeah. Okay, miss. <laughs> I'm a philosopher. philosopher. So, End the episode. <laughs> so we're ending the episode. Everyone say bye. bye. Peace. Bye. Salam. 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 Peace in Arabic. One. Bye.